0: Hello, Rue. Hello, Nick. How are you today? I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. I've had a small bottle of cider. I've got a cup of tea. What could be
1: better? (laughs) You're listening to Beardy Dads. It's episode 16 already. I'm Nick O'Leary. I'm the father of Toby, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and and Lauren, who is definitely 11 weeks old (laughs) on Monday the 28th of April.
0: I'm Rue Reynolds, and I'm the father of a 17-week-old boy called Oliver, And you're sure, are you, Nick, about Lauren's age? We had some confusion last week.
1: It was horrendous. Um, People listening, uh, you wouldn't have heard Rue did a good job of editing down quite me fumbling over trying to work it out. What you didn't hear is I actually counted it on a calendar and still got it two weeks wrong. (laughs) When I listened to the show with Jo, she pointed out I had got it so horrendously wrong. She's 11 weeks old on Monday and I'm going to get it right from now on.
0: You'll be a good father from now on, well, I'm all excited, Nick, because my out of office is set. I'm ready to go on my first trip away from home for the first time since having a little boy, and uh yeah i'm I'm midway between excited and terrified
1: because this is just you going on the trip you're you're leaving the family behind on this one, aren't you?
0: Yeah, so I suppose there's a third uh leg to my my internal stool, which is I'm also feeling a bit guilty i I don't really want to leave them behind. Uh, slightly mitigated by the idea of Rachel staying with her family for a week, so uh, she'll right. have people around her, so I'm feeling a bit less guilty because of that. The biggest overwhelming feeling that I've got at the moment is just excitement about uninterrupted sleep. I'll be able <laughs> to go a whole night without waking up multiple times in the middle of the night. It's the most exciting thing.
1: Yeah. Well, it's an interesting point, actually, about how soon after the birth, at what point is it okay to for you, you know, for the dad, to go away Mm. or even for the mum to have a night away by herself. I have a bunch of opportunities this year to go travel to conferences around the world that I've not had before. Yeah. You know, so far there's been a trip to San Francisco that was in February. There's actually a Las Vegas trip starting this weekend. um, That I've, I've had approvals to go to from Mm. work and, you know, I'm, I'm all clear to go, but yeah, you know, talking it over with Joe, we've decided not to do any uh, you know, substantial travel away for that first three months. Yeah, I have no problem turning them down because it's it's for a good reason that I'm not.
0: Are you starting um, to plan them further out in the year? So once she's yeah. once she's a tiny bit older,
1: exactly. So I, that three month mark is is kind of sort of the magic magic point, and yeah, you know, the fact I've I have so confidently said she's eleven weeks old this week, next week she's twelve weeks old, and that is. You know that is pretty much the three month mark so yeah i've got i 've got um a couple of trips to America coming up in the next month or two so mm-hmm. um, that's that's going to be interesting
0: yeah, it does feel weird, and I think the idea of being away at all was something that I took some getting used to so I, I I sounded quite flippant earlier and and like I was treating the whole thing quite frivolously, but I did really struggle with it. I did wrestle with the idea of going away at all and it's something that I wouldn't necessarily have chosen to do Mm. Uh, I think we're we're now four and a bit months um, and only now am I really able to contemplate it I think um, like you if it had been in the first two or three months I I probably would have just said a flat no yeah at this stage it wasn't my choice Like I didn't I didn't seek it out but Mm -hmm. something came up Uh, It's not every day that you're invited to fly to Mauritius so you know I've I've (laughs) sort of got to do that Uh, and yeah yeah, no I think I think it'll be good I think it'll be good for me I think it'll be nice just to reset my body clock a little bit Um, and nice for Rachel to see her family as well nice to you know essentially have a little mini holiday as well so
1: Yeah, yeah that's good.
0: So what else is going on? Um, last week we were talking about schools and unschooling and child-led learning and we came away with a lot of questions.
1: Yeah, I think it was clear and you know, it, it's not something we've done a lot of investigating into but we've had a contribution from another one of our lovely listeners, Relly, and we're going to hear from her a couple of times in this episode. Uh, so first up, um, here she is talking about in part why they chose to homeschool and how they've been doing the unschooling and the child-led learning process with her kids
2: hello beardy dads Uh, my name is relly annette baker i have two sons that are seven and four in fact nearly eight and five the reason we took them out of school is that uh, we weren't really happy with the standard of schooling they were getting and we tried a couple of different schools because we moved house, moved areas and that kind of thing. So we had the opportunity to try a whole range and we felt that none of them had really suited our children particularly well, especially our eldest, who is what I think is euphemistically called a spirited child, which is to say he likes to have a lot of attention and he likes to focus a lot of time on a particular topic or or an event. He likes to dig quite deep into stuff and do really imaginative things with that, and in particular, we felt schooling for him was kind of restricting his ability to do that, and he was being sort of squashed to conform. Uh, my youngest, he was four, went into reception and was doing absolutely fine in reception, uh, and, and was uh, relatively happy there. But we were significantly unhappy with the amount of testing and uh, homework he was getting. As a four-year-old, he was getting half an hour of homework a night, which we weren't all that pleased with. So our experiences of homeschooling or unschooling if you like um, have been at the moment we are going through a deep deschooling phase where the children are sort of putting aside any notions of what they should do have to do and so are the parents and we've been thinking about ways to present them with the different opportunities and to find things that they might be interested in. And one of the, the sort of ways of doing this is something that's known in the unschooling community as strewing. And strewing is when you, as a learning facilitator, a parent or guardian or whatever, um, find things that you think your child might be interested in based on what they have shown interest in so far. So here is an example that came up in our house um, Not so long ago. So at Christmas time, we watched A Muppet Christmas Carol. And from that, both our children learned of Charles Dickens. They sort of took in that Charles Dickens is a character. As far as they were concerned, it was Gonzo, was Charles Dickens. Um, But later on, my seven-year-old spotted a different version of A Christmas Carol in a bookshop and said, oh, you know, this is by Charles Dickens and read the the title for me. And I explained that Charles Dickens, uh, you know, was an author, wrote a number of books from however many hundred years ago, was living in London, which is not far away from where we, we live. And that kind of began an interesting discussion then about what life was like then and how it's different from life now. But what I've learnt to do over time is not to then... Come home bundling with, you know, sort of 500 copies of uh, various works of Dickens and sort of play costumes and so on, but to take it to an area that he is interested in and also to learn to stop when he has expressed enough interest in it, when he's, you know, happy with what he has learned so far and is, is okay with that. And that's actually one of the hardest things because as a parent, you want to bring home all this stuff and be like, look, you should be interested in Dickens and Victorian London and so on. Actually, he was not that interested in it beyond understanding the connection but he has made that connection for later on when he runs into Dickens again and he remembered some uh, topic work he'd done at school in Victorian London and actually some of that stuff then came together for him and he couldn't he didn't really understand why he'd learned about Victorian London before so this idea of strewing of finding connections for them bringing things home taking them to places but also as a, a parent accepting when they have found their limit when they are into that thing enough for now and they really don't want to know any more about it and also to let them go as deep in a topic as they they want to go so at the moment in my house Minecraft is really big like pretty much every other household with kids under 12 I think at the moment and so they've been what my boys have been watching a lot of um, let's play videos and tutorials and things like that and both of their knowledge of how to manage and manipulate things in Minecraft and the physics of Minecraft and and how that applies in the real world, has gone up exponentially, like just massively. Just from uh, a talk a discussion about a, a roller coaster in Minecraft, then went to looking at um, the physics of roller coasters and how roller coasters go upside down and that kind of stuff. The four-year-old was fascinated. We watched half a day of videos of roller coasters. Um, he's never been on a roller coaster. I don't know if he actually truly understands that it's something that you can go on. I think he just thinks they're kind of fun toys that you see in videos. But, you know, later on when he does run into a roller coaster or something that has a loop-the-loop effect, he will understand a bit more of that physics. But it wasn't like we ever sat down and said, let's have a physics lessons about this kind of thing. You know, if you were to write down one topic, one single idea in the middle of a piece of paper and then think of all the things that spring off of that that you could go explore. That's what child-led learning looks like, um, with all the the opportunities that that has. And actually, uh, you know, I'm pretty jealous of what it is that they get to do day to day.
1: Well, thanks for that, Relly. Um, we'll, we'll hear more from her later in this episode. Uh, I think the one bit that, that stood out for me was I liked this idea of almost being subversive in how you approach subjects, that the idea of learning about roller coasters means they're learning physics without it being labelled a physics lesson. Mm,
0: mm. Yeah, you're not breaking the world up into subjects. It's more yeah. themes that allow you to explore different different aspects of that. That is, that is really interesting. Yeah. Thanks right, mm, Nice, yeah. Look, looking forward to hearing more from Relly later on uh, one of our other questions that we had about about how socialisation works. But for now, like last week, we've had another birth announcement.
1: Birth announcements. Well, I, I feel we ought to have a little... Um, i don't know some little sting or some little we need a jingle uh, a little jingle for birth announcements but
0: Whereas, uh... <laughs> we need the noise of a stalk please this week it's toby joyce who announces he wanted to let us know that he had a baby girl uh, called april seven pounds and he's looking forward to putting into practice or he says looking forward to putting into
1: practice all our advice so uh, good luck to april in her life <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, and clearly, Toby, seek out other people's advice as well. But, um, very wise. Congrats to you and your partner. That That's always lovely news. We do enjoy hearing from our listeners those sorts of announcements. So, uh, yeah, congrats. Very
0: exciting. Very, very exciting indeed. Uh, and while we're talking about uh, feedback on Twitter this week that we've had, uh, Lopter uh, was in touch again with a little a little geeky dad joke. He said, uh, if it were not for Beardy Dads episode seven it might never have occurred to me that a
1: baby feed monitoring app could do boob load balancing. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> lovely. It is such a geeky thing, but it's such a perfect description of, of what you need to do. So, <laughs> there we go. He does. So, we've also heard from uh, James Taylor, who has asked us, do we have any tips on first holiday with children? Hmm. Um, probing into that a bit, they're planning a, a drive down to Dorset in June. So... Rue, you mentioned. I mean, obviously you're away, and Rachel's down at, at the parents for a couple of weeks. In some ways, that that's much that. You know, Rachel's having a mini holiday of her own. So, are you suggesting was, that
0: that would be a tip? Go to different countries.
1: Well, <laughs> I think the 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 tips are well, or the the things to think about is with James here talking about a driving holiday. I think flying holidays is something I'd be interested in. How do you travel? on an aeroplane with young babies when you talk yeah. about car seats and all that sort of stuff but let's let's save that one because I, I i suspect some of our listeners will have some tips because um, i've got nothing on that
0: yeah nor me i've had friends who've done big adventurous holidays quite early and the one thing that i picked up from them was this very brave notion that the smaller they are the easier it is because uh they're they're not so noisy they're not so much hassle um they're they're easy to cart around when they're tiny little babies. Uh, but, yeah, to me, that's a terrifying idea. If anyone's done it, if anyone's done uh, a big holiday involving aeroplanes and stuff uh, with a baby, we'd love to hear from you. Um, what works? What What are the things that you need to bear in mind? Uh, do,
1: do let us know. But so for a driving holiday, though, how do you guys cope? Because presumably you had to go down with a lot of stuff for Rachel to have two weeks, you know, all the, all the baby accessories in the car yeah, we filled the car properly
0: to bursting, uh, and I think I'd mentioned on the show before that we bought a bigger car in preparation for having a baby. turns out the bigger car wasn't nearly big enough. Uh, we, need, <laughs> we need a significantly bigger car than the one we bought. So I think my biggest tip is probably buy the biggest car and then get a roof rack to go on top of it. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I think the thing that we've mentioned in the past is the mirror that goes on the back of the seat in the in, in the back of the car, so that you can see the baby seat mm-hmm. through the rearview mirror. That's that's a very useful invention, yep. and especially at this time of year, a sun visor for the window will definitely be a, a helpful thing. Other than that, I'm I'm not sure, really, Nick. Have you have you done like driving holidays and stuff with one or two
1: babies? Yeah, and we, we've not yet done a substantial journey, sort of an overnight journey with both of them. We quite early on with Toby went away, um, we tend to, we don't tend to do abroad holidays. We we tend to do you know, cottages around the country, which we drive to. Hmm. And it was actually about, after the first about three months, that we, we did go for a week's holiday in a cottage with Toby. And that, I remember that was that first time doing a long journey um, with him. It all depends how well they sleep in the car. I think we were lucky Toby slept very well in the car. So for the, you know, I think this was like a five-hour drive for us, um he slept a lot of the way but we did have regular breaks along the way for feeding that type of thing hmm. you get very used to nursery rhymes and that type of stuff you know, <laughs> if, even today if, if toby's in the back of the car then you don't get to listen to your radio unless he decides you can and you have to listen to whatever is his current favorite thing and um, have
0: you got a selection of cds that you keep in the car or is it uh like a, a family sing-along how does this
1: work so we have Yep, CDs we take with us or they're all on sort of MP3 type arrangement. I think a a top tip is you can get a box set of Julia Donaldson stories. So things like The Gruffalo, Squash and a Squeeze, Snail and the Whale, all classics, modern day classics. (laughs) Each has the story and the song to go with the story. And there's, you you get this set and there's like six different stories in there. And, you know, each CD is about 15 minutes long by the time it's done the story and the song. So with those six c- CDs on loop, you can get quite far before you go too stir-crazy.
0: <laughs> the repetition doesn't get too intense too quickly.
1: Yes. Uh, but certainly, as I managed to prove, demonstrate to uh, colleagues at work one time over lunch, I could recite the Gruffalo from beginning to end from memory. <laughs> um, Presumably you can still do that now as well. It's worn off a bit. Right. Um, My my skills in that arena are slightly dented, um, partly because Toby's interests are broadened, so we have greater variety. But um, having a ready supply of entertainment of that sort is is a tip.
0: Do you remember, speaking of uh, things that get ingrained in your memory, do you remember any of your books or stories from your childhood? Because I've got one that I can still... The first line just... Rolls off my tongue.
1: I don't actually.
0: So go on. What, what's your what's well? The one, your the one I've got is, um, and I can't remember what the book's called. But the first the first lines are, "Baby bunny on his birthday sat on mummy bunny's knee." And I think because it's a a book that um that has a bit of a a, a meter to it. Uh, is that the right word? A bit of a rhythm yeah. and a rhyme to it. It sort of works like a song as well. And, and I think I must have heard my mum tell this story so many times. Mm. Uh, so, da, 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 something, something. He'll be having. Oh, hmm, I can't remember the next bit, but but certainly that first line is is still quite deep in there. Um, Sammy Seal lives in the sea. He'll be having fish for tea. That's another <laughs> one. That was an inflatable bath book. Uh, and right, might have, might have had a squeaker in it as well. Wow. Yeah. So presumably these things were repeated as I was getting a bit older as well, because I can't yeah. imagine I would remember things from you know the age of the age of two or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, it's amazing how long it sticks
1: with you. I, I I find it quite strange that the last few da- times I've been down to my parents, they have got books out of the attic for Toby that you know, I had when I was young. Books I haven't thought about in 28 years, let's <laughs> say. And it's weird because as soon as I see it, it just flash back of all these memories of the book or yeah. just that time. And then reading them to Toby not that I can't remember what happens but as I turn each page it's just brings brings back all those memories so it's really nice to have those that my parents have kept yeah that's kept amazing
0: them. yeah and as you get older and you start losing your mind uh, these will probably be some of the, some of the things that really resonate for you as well like th- this is something that's deep deep in your brain
1: yeah it it, it is weird and and it's not uh, i mean it's that whole sort of um it's not just the books that they pull out. I mean, they've, they've brought out my toy, my soft toys from when I was a kid, and mm. you know all those sorts of things. Yeah, and that, that's that's weird, and it, it has kind of made us think a bit about. Um, you know, Toby has accrued a lot of toys, and we we have no trouble you know, selling them on at charity shops or however it might be as he grows out of them. But equally, these days actually, <laughs> we keep hold of a lot of them for Lauren because she's <laughs> going to want some toys as well. But but you know, what are those books? That Toby has today, that we will want to keep yeah, to what, give to Toby when he's having kids. Or, that's
0: nice. Yeah, heirlooms um, and things that that will trigger those memories for him
1: when yeah, when he's grown up as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, certainly there is for him that that book that started you know, the the first book that um, he had that we would read to him all the time, and even when he was a baby, was dig dig digging. Again, it's got that nice rhythm, that nice rhyme that like you like the one you remember. Hmm. And uh, again, that's another one I can recite from the top of my head, you know, cover to cover. But yes.
0: Mm. So that was a good a good detour. But we were talking about taking CDs and stories and things for going on holiday for for this driving yeah. holiday that James is going to be going on. Uh, have you got any other tips for him, Nick? You're the one with some experience
1: here. So suddenly, a a tip we realised is uh, well, again, it it depends where you're going. Um, because we, were, we tend to go to holiday cottages, take full advantage of the fact that they will have a washing machine, if they have a washing machine. So much so, when you're picking where to go, suddenly, does it have a washing machine becomes a criteria. That way you don't have to take so much stuff, I guess. Exactly. You you can pack lighter for yourselves um, oh, nice. and just assume on like the second, third day of your holiday, you're going to be doing laundry because yeah, yeah. Th- that's just what you have to do. That's good.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, hopefully that's helped, James, um, and let us know how you get on. Uh, I think it's sometime around June you're, you're hoping to go down to Dorset, so, uh, yeah, let us know how it was. Maybe uh, maybe record yourself down there and, uh, and tell us what you learnt about the experience so that other dads can follow in your footsteps.
1: Yeah. Do tell us if you'd recommend it to anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, great. Baby dads! We've had an email from Ben Rosewell. Hello, Ben. Uh, and he asks about videos and editing videos. So in the past we've talked about sharing photos uh, but if you're shooting a lot of video then he asks what do you do about that? Is it a question of just sharing the raw footage with friends and family or do you wait until you've got a chance to edit it which might take some time and you might never get around to it? Or he suggests do you get somebody else to do it? And he shared with us an example of a service uh, called Magisto which seemed to and I'd love to see how this works in practice, but the the outcome from it uh, seems to be a, a sort of nicely spliced together sequence of footage, presumably lots of different uh, lots of different clips. Uh, and whether it's deciding algorithmically how how qu- quickly to cut from one to the other, I'm not sure. One thing I definitely noticed about it was it's quite heavy on the retro vintage effects.
1: Yeah, I, that might just be um, options you get along the way. I don't have a lot of raw video footage of Toby. I've got some. And I did actually edit together one of the first time he crawled across the room and put nice. that on Vimeo. Lovely. But we don't have a lot of lot of other videos. They tend to be just short little snippets. And I've, I've not really thought about editing them together to produce produce something. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I think the photo side is much more natural because I was already taking photos and sharing them online type of thing. So I'd be interested to know what what sort of tips other people have for video. Um.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, really. I tend to take very short clips, so I'm using Vine a bit, and I'm trying to regularly do a six-second video of of Oliver and his little face as he grows up. Um, And Rachel's been recording on her iPad a bit and has actually edited together some really nice little videos using iMovie, I think, and they tend to be 30 seconds, 60 seconds long, which is lovely, you know, really nice little um, snapshots... Short moving images which capture much more than a photo can so yeah, I can definitely see why videos are a powerful thing And also I can see why if you if you've got too much footage. It's it's sometimes quite hard to know what to do with it uh, So yeah, maybe if other people have got tips or suggestions or things that are working for them Then uh, that would be that'd be good to hear
2: Uh, The other question you had is about socialisation of homeschool children. I think there is this idea that homeschool children are slightly odd because they spend all their time with their own company or those with adults. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, those children do exist. But in terms of my children, they are extremely social. Um, We still have playdates with children that we know from school. There's still time after school and holidays and so on. Um, uh, but just meeting people in the playground or at soft play or at the zoo and that kind of stuff. My, both of my boys are quite happy to go and talk to anyone about anything. Um, and as far as the four year old goes, that's, you know, most of his socialization needs. He likes to play with other children, but he's not at an age yet where he wants to form sort of lifelong buddy friendships. Um, and so when we meet children that we knew from school or from different clubs or from nursery and so on in the playground, he's quite happy with that. With the seven-year-old, he wants more structured sort of play dates and so on. We facilitate those. And there's also a lot of homeschooling groups in the area that I live in. and most cities, um, there are kind of mailing lists where you can go do meetups with other homeschooling children of different ages. And one thing I've noticed about homeschooling children in general is that they are polite and welcoming of new children and they're very good at playing with children of different ages because they don't have that social construct that you get in school of someone being older than you or younger than you and and what that means in a social status or social strata so that's been quite interesting to me as well and obviously socialization is something you have to work at but with the internet uh, as it is I would ask lots of parents now where do you talk to your friends? most people would say a lot of the time it's online and I expect my children will form friendships in the same way from, you know, they're already starting to make friends in games like Club Penguin and, and Minecraft and so on and I'm sure within time uh, and with some assistance and moderation they'll be able to go onto forums and other things like that as these opportunities exist and I'm sure as my children grow up um, there'll be socialisation opportunities for them that I can't even imagine at this point so it's not something that I'm worried about um, it's just something you need to um, meet your child's needs with uh, which is true of everything about homeschooling, really. Hey, biddy Dads, it's been great talking to you about um, unschooling. And if you have any more questions, I'll happily come back on and yammer some more. OK, have a great day. Bye.
0: Thank you ever so much, Relly. It's really genuinely good to hear from people who know what they're talking about with this stuff. Uh, as anyone listening last week will know, we were very unsure of ourselves and we needed a lot more help understanding uh, all of this. Um, and you've definitely answered a lot of my questions. Um, so, yeah, thank you again for taking the time to share that with us. If anyone else has got thoughts on homeschooling or unschooling or anything related to it, we'd definitely like to hear from you as well. So do get in touch. You can contact us with uh, text or recordings, which you can send to podcast at uk,
1: And we're at beardydads on Twitter.
0: Do send us your your tips, your tricks, your questions uh, and anything that's uh, that's on your
1: mind about Dadness. so i think one of the interesting things really uh talked about around the socializing thing was um and i think it was true with dan last week that uh their kids had already gone through nurseries uh, or or you know some early years of schooling mm. so it had already built up some degree of of network of friends um uh and i think uh, bringing it back to to um the more immediate concerns for you and I, uh, for for Lauren and Oliver, is nurseries and and what you do for that that initial sort of childcare when when you know Joe and Rachel are thinking about going back to work and all and all that sort of thing after their maternity leave. Mm.
0: Well, you have to declare an interest yeah. here, Nick, because uh, I think I think you mentioned last week that Joe works at a nursery.
1: She she does work at uh, quite a well known nursery in Hampshire, uh, the Yellow Dot Nurseries. So I'm declaring that interest. <laughs> there we go. Presumably you're on the waiting list. No, absolutely. We we go on the waiting list just as anyone else does. I think the the benefit we get or we've we have had, and I I was completely oblivious to this. Um, you know, obviously Joe has sort of the inside track of when you need to consider applying to a nursery and all that sort of thing, because um, obviously. They see they get people making inquiries of, you know, can our child start nursery next month? Type of thing. Oh gosh!
0: I know enough to know that that's usually
1: going to be unlikely. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. Particularly, I think as we've said before, it it is a bit of a boom time for children at the moment. You know, there's a lot, a lot of kids coming through, you know, a lot of pregnancy going on. (laughs) yeah we know what you mean does that mean mean.
0: does that mean that if people haven't already applied before the baby's born that they're necessarily in trouble or or should they try anyway
1: not necessarily not not at all but i think the earlier you can get on somewhere's waiting list the better
0: i think we were registered about three months into our pregnancy just
1: to be on the safe side we were super on the ball yeah yeah and i think that also helps again that that you've probably had a nudge and a wink from from joe as to to make sure you do that so well, and i'll let you guess um, which
0: nursery we're registered at nick
1: well quite you know very handily there there is a yellow dot quite near to where we live yeah so th- I, I would certainly recommend you know don't don't put this off until you, you you're starting to think about the end of maternity leave um, you really need to think about it and you know you might not want to do nurseries you might want you know to do a child minder or um, you know, nanny type type affair.
0: Um, and what if you don't know? What if you think that you might want a place at a nursery, but there's a fifty percent chance that by the time you get there, you might decide that it's not for you, and you know, one of you's going to be at home all the time anyway. So you know, you you'll just pull out. Are they used to a uh, nursery? Is quite used to people saying, "Oh, well, we we had registered interest, but actually,
1: we don't want it after all." I mean, it's going to vary nursery to nursery, of course. Um, yeah, circumstances change, people move, um, all that sort of stuff. So it it if you're if you're unsure, you'd you'd be better off getting on the waiting list and then to make up your mind later than than do it the other way round and find the decisions made for you that there just aren't any places in a nursery. And
0: my guess is and this is totally uninformed, but my guess is the fact that there is a waiting list means that a bit like baby clearing, really anyone who drops off is okay. just opening a space up for somebody else who does want it
1: yeah it's not like the the school entrance system we talked about last week, where clearly there's a, a obligation by the education authorities to make sure every child who applies gets a place. Mm. You know, nurseries are privately run, they're businesses, and if you don't get come to the top of a waiting list with a nursery, you know there's no fallback mechanism that's going to catch you there, so. Mm. So typically, again, it's going to depend on the place, but you know, the, the waiting list is just a queue and you, you, you bubble your way up it. So suddenly the tip is to, uh, you know, go and go and find out about the nurseries if, if that's something you think you're going to want to do um, and um, get on the waiting and list. And
0: it's perfectly OK to get on that waiting list, even if your baby hasn't been born and you don't even have a name yet. They're quite used to registering, you know, baby Reynolds or baby O'Leary or whatever.
1: Yeah. Particularly, I think some of the nurseries you know the ones which get the good the, you know the outstanding offsteads, the ones that are uh, you know, in demand if you like, mm. then mm. you know clearly the more in demand they are that the the earlier you, you're going to want to think about getting on that waiting list interesting okay
0: obviously we 've only really scratched the surface there of applying for nurseries, and maybe in the future we'll get into more stuff about what to look for in a nursery or how maybe they they have different styles um, and and that sort of thing. So if you've got any uh, thoughts on any aspects of of, uh, nursery stuff, then uh, as ever, do get in touch.
1: Baby dads.
0: (laughs) Why do babies love having messages on the front of their clothes? There's always something like, I'm my sister's favourite brother or my mum's a rock star or just something meaningless, and babies seem obsessed with them. I mean, to say that they're a demographic that probably don't have the strongest literature skills, um, it seems an odd choice. So, yeah, what what is it with that? Nick, we've had another review on iTunes. Oh, excellent, Ruth. It's been a couple of weeks. It has. It's been a while. But uh, Chris Pye, the open-minded, as as he calls himself on iTunes, has left this uh, this four-star review. So not quite up to five-star standards for Chris. but uh, But he says... I've not been a new dad to anyone for four plus years, but I'm loving the happy memories this podcast brings back. Absolutely loving it. Great tips for new dads. Relaxed, real and of the moment commentary on the trials and tribulations of early parenthood. Facial hair optional. So thank you for that, Chris.
1: Absolutely. And and as hopefully we've proved in this episode, facial hair is definitely optional. Uh, You do not need to be bearded to contribute or to listen. It is us. It is we who are bearded. Yes, your your dear hosts are uh, are the follically endowed ones. Thanks to everyone who has been talking to us about us on Twitter this week, including Rue Matchall, Nathan Dalgano, Darren Shaw, Peter Fletcher, Rob Grundle.
0: Thanks, as ever, to Wes West for our lovely theme tune. We won't have a new episode next week, because I'm off to
1: sunny climbs elsewhere, but we will have one in two weeks' time. Yes, I think uh, me prattling on for half an hour by myself won't quite work the same I'm sure it would uh, but we'll be back with you in two weeks time looking forward to it Rue. have a lovely week away thank you and we, we will see you all in two weeks time see you then bye Nick bye Roo